Hey y'all, and welcome back to Living on Mission. I know that sometimes it's hard to find the joy in Jesus in the everyday moments, but that is exactly what we're going to do by digging into God's word, letting go of whatever is holding you back from living on mission for Christ, talking about the everyday life, laughing a little and crying a little, because let's be honest, we all do a little of both. So settle in, grab a cup of coffee, and let's live on mission together. All right. Welcome back to Living on Mission. I have a very, very special guest with me today. I've had quite a few special guests, but this one probably is the most special of them all. I have to say that right, honey. That's right. Who are you? I'm your husband. <laughs> I have Matt on the podcast today, and we are going to be talking about essentially raising kingdom children. I don't know if you've read Tony Evans book, but we will be talking about some more sensitive subjects today. So it may be one of those podcasts where you listen without the kids or listen with your earbuds in. I just want to give you a heads up about that. So as we dive in, I asked Matt to come and sit with me today. He does not enjoy public appearances a whole lot, but although he's really good at it, but today he doesn't have to be on video, so he's smiling big. Uh, but Matt is a trained counselor. He is has his master's degree in counseling. You, you tell him. You tell him. Well, I spent 12 years working in mental health. Uh, a counselor, just lots of different experiences, kids, adults, alcohol and drug rehab crisis center. So just a, a wide variety of experience for 12 years in mental health. Okay. And what do you do now? Now I'm over a pregnancy center. So we help anyone with pregnancy needs and whether it's planned or unplanned, uh, we just, our uh, center Oasis medical center has uh, some services for those ladies. It goes deeper than pregnancy, right? You serve like children in the community. Yes. Yes, we go into most of our local schools with a character education and abstinence curriculum. So it covers sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Yeah, it's pretty cool. What's it called? I Am Enough. I Am Enough. It's very, very powerful. So the building blocks of I Am Enough are that each student, each child has value, purpose, and worth. So that's the building blocks for everything uh, else that comes after. Yeah, if you can't tell, I'm married like just the perfect man for raising kingdom kids. He's not perfect. I don't mean that, but he has a lot of knowledge and he brings a lot of wisdom to our family and to his, his organization too. But Matt, one of the things that I get asked the most by women who follow me or um, just people I encounter is like, how, how do you one teach your children about God? And two, how do you raise them to know him and, and want to follow him? And it is a crazy, crazy world that we are living in. It was crazy when I was a child. It was crazy now. It's getting crazier by the day. As believers, that doesn't have to defeat us or overwhelm us. But I know as parents that we worry a lot. We, we see what our kids are exposed to. And it is one of my talking points is the fact that we know that Satan attacks the family. We see that. You see it every day in the work that you do. I see it in the conversations that I have. You know, we, we've seen it very close to us in the last few years. Satan attacks the family uh, because the family, Christian families, produce Christian children. Christian children grow up to be Christian adults who tell other people about Jesus. And so, obviously, the best place for Satan to attack is homes, right? Right. 
So I like this verse. It's from 1 Timothy 2, 15. And of course, I'm speaking to a lot of women. Hopefully some dads are listening too. But it says, but she will be saved, me meaning woman, will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith love and holiness and good sense. And I love those, those four terms, faith, love, holiness, and good sense. And obviously the world is not going to teach our children those things. And it is our responsibility to raise these future kingdom parents, right? And I do think that one of the most important things, I mean, obviously going to church, but having conversations in the home, talking about, even when we go to church, if we talk about, uh, the sermon or what we got from the sermon or the ask about the boys lesson, what they learned in their uh, Bible study. I think that that is uh, a really good move by parents is to have more discussions about what they're learning in scripture. Yeah. Did you grow up having a lot of discussions like that? Uh, Probably not. I mean, some, there were some and we were, we were going to church and there were some discussions. I mean, we did discuss these things, but I think a a word that you use a lot is intentional. So what I see is a need for me to be much more intentional about that. Yeah. I think culturally too, the time we grew up, I just think maybe conversations with your kids wasn't as prevalent. And also too, like our parents worked probably longer, harder, (laughs) hours too. And uh, and there were conversations yeah. about scripture in the home. I'm just saying that I'm trying to be even more intentional to bring even more conversation. Yeah. No, I wasn't slamming our parents. <laughs> Love our parents. They did they did well. Our culture is not going to teach our children holiness love, faith, right? They and are good gonna, sense, especially <laughs> the good sense. And good sense. Do Henry and Milo have good sense? I hope. Lord help us. But they're the world is going to teach them other things. If we are not teaching them. Yes. Yes. So with the um, going into the schools uh, with the character education and the abstinence, um, those uh, presentations that cover sixth, seventh and eighth grade, the sixth grade uh, is solely focused on character education. Seventh and eighth deal with more sensitive topics that the kids are dealing with at school. And so those are topics like sexting and pornography and sex and STDs. Um, so we cover those in a format that, uh, that teaches the kids uh, how to make wise decisions mm-hmm. and how to, it really it promotes abstinence until marriage. Yeah. With the presentations, we get feedback. We get feedback from the students, anonymous feedback. And what we see there is very, very disturbing. Um, I have one of our presenters that would go and, um, and teach the classes, she would sit in her car and read the feedback after the presentations, and she would just sit in the car and cry from what she was reading that the students are experiencing. We get quotes like seventh grade girl that says, boys have requested nudes. We get uh, another seventh grade girl says, I've sent nudes. Yet another quote from a different seventh grade girl, Boys keep asking me to have sex. I keep saying no, but they won't leave me alone about it. So the thing that uh, we really want to emphasize is the need for parents to have discussions and sometimes hard discussions, sometimes awkward discussions about sex and about these issues, because if the parent, if we as parents don't have that conversation, that little boy in the quote There's a seventh grade boy out there that's waiting to have the conversation. 
with another seventh grade girl. And um, it really emphasizes the importance for the parents to have the discussions. Yeah. And even so we're going to tell you, we're going to tell you our story about having the sex conversation with our children. And let me say Milo is 10, Henry is 12. And we actually had this conversation a few, like two years years ago, ago because Henry came home in the fourth grade and he told us, well, one, somebody tried to explain to him at school what sex was. And then the other thing that happened was that a little fourth grade girl sent him a note and asked if he would have sex with her. And which you can imagine was disturbing, but he felt comfortable coming to us and telling us that. Well, I wouldn't say he felt comfortable, but he did talk to us about it. He was concerned and he came to us about that. Didn't fully understand what sex was at that point. And our kids were in public school at that time. We do homeschool them now, but that's not why. We just made that decision. God led us there. But we knew that we needed to tell him before he saw answers elsewhere, right. essentially. Right. And our children are close in age, so we just like looped them together and had the conversation. Right. And and so there was a book that we used. Do you have the title for that? Book? Yeah. Um, some of our good friends gave us this book and they suggested this book. It's called What's the Big Deal? Why God Cares About Sex. And it is it's it's updated and it's called God's Design for Sex. And it's by Stan and Brenna Jones. And we'll link it in the podcast notes. But it actually comes in different volumes, I guess you could say, for kids of different ages. So this one is for kids from 8 to 11, which fit us perfectly. Um, And it essentially reads like a a narrative, right, with a lot of other things, tons of scripture. Um, But it's pretty much like a discussion between two kids that you just read to your children. So it was awkward. I mean, (laughs) there's just, uh, it was. But Here's here's the thing. Um, we've had more than one discussion. We it's um and it, you know in the past it was kind of thought of as the talk, but what is actually more effective is to have talks plural. Mm-hmm. And so that was the initial talk, and that we have had more talks after that, and even uh, as recent as like two days ago, they uh, they were having some questions or they just wanted to they wanted to read some more from that book and. The thing that I noticed was that it was not as awkward and I was, I was surprised. And we, uh, I think that you noticed that as well, Mm -hmm. that the conversation, it's parents, it's a 10 year old and a 12 year old. And honestly, it really did not feel awkward. We had already introduced them to this topic. We've had discussions uh, with scripture and Mm -hmm. uh, different discussions, but it was easier. So I think there's a lesson in that. Yeah. And just to like, just to give you like a recap of how that conversation went, we didn't sit and read the book in one setting. We read it over multiple different nights, but um, laughs, there were lots of yuck, gross, what, (laughs) Um, but lots of giggles. I mean, there were lots of giggles while we read it, but I do believe looking back, it left a door open for Henry and Milo to ask us questions. And like you said, they requested to, we never finished the book. We didn't finish it completely. It's actually kind of a longer book, Um, but it it gets into some really hard topics. And instead of us just trying to scramble for the words, it is a very good resource to talk to your kids about this topic. That's right. Um, These resources like this, especially coming from a Christian perspective, 
will bring in the scripture that you need, but also the insight and just the words to use to help you have these discussions. Yeah. Another book that Matt speaks very highly of because another thing that Matt is doing with this, with his work is um, creating a resource for parents to prepare them for middle school, not just parents, but children as well. So tell them about this book that you like so much. Uh, the book is called Screen Kids. And so that is a book by Arlene Pelican and Gary Chapman. Mm -hmm. Now you will remember Gary Chapman from the five love languages. Oh, yeah. And so he is the co-author. It has so much practical information um, just about how to uh, just with technology and how to manage that with your kids. So that is definitely something I would recommend. Yeah. So technology. Do we want to go there? Um, I have another thought okay. before we go there. It's uh, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child mm -hmm. in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So this um, this idea of training up a child. And uh, I've thought a lot about this recently dealing with our um, middle school presentations and, and dealing with our boys. But training, uh, when we look at like academic training or we look at athletic training, the thing is we set uh, some really high expectations for those. We expect that they're going to do their best, but we train for different scenarios. And so with our two boys playing baseball, you know, they're, they're practicing and the coaches are training them. So they will set up a scenario and they will say something like runners on first, where's the play? And all the kids scream plays at second. Mm -hmm. So they've been trained what to do in specific scenarios. And I think that by having these conversations, by being willing to have these difficult or awkward conversations, that we then begin training our children what to do in specific scenarios. And so where they know what to do. Let's take the example of they see an image that they shouldn't, that's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Turn your head and come tell us. Mm -hmm. You know, later on, there will be other scenarios that, uh, that could be covered. But to train them and not just... Um, no coach, like let's say a senior in high school messes up on a play. Um, no coach is going to say, well, I told him what to do when he was in the ninth grade. One and done. Uh, what they're going to do is go over scenarios and they're going to train. So, you know, instinctively what to do in those scenarios. So I think that as parents, we need to be more intentional in training our kids to know how to handle scenarios and situations dealing with sex, dealing with pornography, dealing with uh, those issues that they face. And you're really good at that. You're, we did read another resource is the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book. Um, what's that? That is by Kristen A. Johnson. And that is a book that deals specifically with like pictures that they may see on the pornography, essentially, right? Right. And it comes in different volumes or different levels. So yeah. You can pick age-appropriate books uh, for those, but those were very helpful to start having those discussions. And that is one of the things I hear you say to the boys all the time. Like, what do you? What happens if you see a picture on your friend's phone? What do you do? Look away, and you come tell us, right? Right. And that actually has played out in our front yard. Yes. <laughs> because um, some of their friends, a lot of their friends, do have phones, and we're not. This is not that's fine. Like that's each parent's individual decision. We, um, we, I mean, our kids don't need a phone, so they don't have one. Yeah. There have been children who come into the yard and they're like, you know, Hey, Henry Milo, look at this picture on Instagram. And it was a not so appropriate, um, 
image of a woman and they did they turned they they said hey we're not supposed to look at that and they did tell us so well done that <laughs> okay so technology doing your you kind of spoke to this i guess really about like the middle school stuff and the things you hear from imnf and so what this is not we're not going into your whole like preparing for middle school but briefly what advice would you give parents who do have middle school children or are going into middle school? Well, I'm going to pass along some advice that some other parents have given me. And they just say, which is also echoed in the book, Screen Kids, is delay, delay, delay. Uh, don't be in a hurry to buy your kid uh, your, a, um, a phone or an iPad, anything where that they can have instant access to everything mm -hmm. and so uh just the, the uh, that's from other parents that have said we did this and we regret doing this because of what our children have been exposed to so i would say the first thing is just really consider even with that first phone uh or whatever the technology is really praying about is my child ready for that kind of responsibility mm -hmm. And if they already have a phone, there are obviously lots of good like filters and you can monitor what they see. You can actually look at their phone and see it as they see it in real time and review their history and things like that. So there are, I mean, if they do have phones, it's, it's not, they, there are a lot of precautions that, that I know we can take as parents because ours will have phones eventually. One of the things that I wanted to share was a quote from another book. We're sharing all the books and I promise I will link them. They're in the show notes, but one of my favorite books is Tony Evans. Uh, it's called Raising Kingdom Kids. And one of the things he talks a lot about, a lot about is the fact that mothers and fathers, like we are supposed to be the dominant spiritual influence in a child's life. And we said this already, you know, we can't rely on the church. We can't rely on Sunday school teachers or youth leaders to, to teach our kids about their faith. Yes, we do have some fantastic people in our church, I know, that teach well. But if Henry and Milo don't hear the word spoken at home, don't see us live out the word, things like seeking forgiveness when we yell at each other, you and me, Matt, not the kids, <laughs> <laughs> holding our tongue, you know, slow to speak and quick to listen, those types of things that we teach our kids. If they don't see that lived out in our home, then they're going to be a lot less likely to, to live it out and believe it for themselves when they leave our home. So, but I love that Tony Evans makes that point because it's easy to forget. I think it's easy for us to send our kids to church and say they're good. They're getting what they need, but essentially God's word tells us that our responsibility as parents is to teach our kids to know God as Savior, to trust Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, and to fear God. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a great chapter that kind of speaks to this. And uh, Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 through 9 say, These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So that's a whole lot of a lot of instruction. Uh, talk about them, you know, when you when you're at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand, on your forehead, on your doorpost. I think God made that point very clear. It reminds me of a word I've heard you use. What? Intentional. Intentional. Matt listens to me. Be very it does make it clear that we should be very intentional mm -hmm. about 
teaching the Bible and yeah. talking about the Bible. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've had some really good discussions with our kids, say mm -hmm. after a devotion at home or after a sermon at church. And it really is as simple, you know, talking to your kids about faith is as simple as reading the word or sitting under the teaching of God's word together and asking a simple question. What, what do you ask the kids when we get in the car after church? Usually ask them about their lesson. Yeah. What did you learn today? Or, you know, and they, they want to talk about it. Like at some point I know our kids won't want to talk to us as much, but you know, they do, they want to talk about it. And I'm amazed at what they absorb. So opening the doors of communication with your kids and trusting that God's word is not going to return void. If you don't know how to sit down and have a Bible discussion with your kids, buy a devotional. Like I, we have some great devotionals we've used with the boys. We do encourage them to be in the word themselves, but you know, just trusting that God's word is not going to return void. It doesn't matter what you do or say. That's exactly right. We have not written uh, books and devotion books and write our own uh, devotions. I mean, it's, we find good ones that we like and we yeah. use those. And yeah. One of the things that we did when the boys were smaller and well, and when they were in school and we still do this to some degree, but we always did high low at, at night before they went to bed. And I'm sure I read this somewhere, but basically what was your high from the day and what was your low? And that kind of always got them talking and sharing with us, didn't it? Right. Yeah. Yes. Do you have something else to say? You look like you want to Well, I was just thinking about the whole communication <laughs> process. It's we need that open door to have these conversations, to have the difficult conversations. And just one thing that from communication, uh, when we listen with the intent of understanding, one part of the brain is activated. When we listen with the intent of problem solving, there's a completely different part of the brain that is activated. And so what uh, is crucial to learn how to do and develop this skill or discipline is listening for understanding. Because the this is uh, another amazing thing about the way God created us to mm -hmm. interact in our bodies. When, when we make another person feel understood, the creative problem solving part of their brain is actually activated. Mm. So not only that, there's other benefits. The person feels connected. There is trust. And it also activates the creative problem solving part of their brain. So there's so much that comes from listening. And that, again, has to be intentional. And listening for understanding is different than listening for problem solving. And oftentimes, and I know that men get credited for wanting to be the problem solvers, but it's not always that way. Anyone, when we're listening, oftentimes we will find ourselves trying to solve a problem rather than make the person feel understood, uh -huh. which is crucial to the connection for the two. And so in this situation, if we're listening to our kids when they want to talk and making them feel understood, they're going to trust us more. Um, they're going to connect to us more. Uh -huh. and it also helps their own creative problem solving skills mm -hmm. because then they, they're going to be able to maybe figure out some of the solutions on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of like Henry comes home and says, Hey mom, we were looking at so-and-so's phone. We saw this picture instead of us being like, well, why are you looking at that? You know, <laughs> like listening, well, what happened? And you know, right. how did that feel? And that type of, so yeah, communication is big and we're not like pros at communication. We have rushed through conversations. No, but we've done it before. We have communicated. We have done that before. Once or twice. One quick verse along with what you said. Um, it is Psalm 119.9. And how can a young man keep his way pure? And it is by living according to, to your word. I think that is a great verse for 
to discuss with, with your children and even have them memorize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we hope this was helpful. I know that we use sex and the talk about that as an example, but there are so many other things that our kids are facing today. I don't care if you homeschool, public school, any of it, you know, this last if 2020 taught us anything it's that the world and what's happening, you know, it can instill fear. It can, it can mean we've watched our children process a lot in the last two years and, and not just in the world, but in our family and lots of different things. Um, but whatever your kids are facing today, I just want to remind you that you get to be the one that is there to help them process it and to point them to Christ and to, to just be an example in word and in deed. And instead of letting that like make you feel pressured or overwhelmed, just open the word, you know, get in the word every single day and, and speak that word to your children. I think that we can't go wrong there. Okay. That is it. Thanks, Beth. Thank you. I may have you back again. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye you guys. See you soon.